Hey, good morning, everyone. Good to see you. Happy Fourth of July weekend. You hopefully you're able to just enjoy some of those freedoms that we have in America. Hopefully you had some family time, got some R and R, got to rest, relax a little bit. Uh, my name is Joshua. If you don't know who I am, I'm one of the pastors on staff here. And uh, if you're here, I just want to make this disclaimer: you have little ones. Don't worry about it. Don't sweat it. If they get antsy, it's okay. Just just relax. No one's going to stare and look at you. We promise. Just be at peace. And we're just glad you're here. Uh, I also just want to say hello to anyone watching online. Thanks so much for tuning in. It's great to have you with, with us as well. Excuse me. <clears throat> but um, Hey, I, I say this every week and I really mean it. Thanks for your generosity, church, the ways that you support this ministry. It means a lot to us. Uh, if you did bring a gift today, you can certainly just drop that in the box on your way out today. Uh, it's always appreciated, or you can give online at edinburghchurch.org. But hey, it, it helps us keep moving forward, so thank you. I know Amanda prayed, but I do want to pray. Would you just join me in another word of prayer as we dive into this? Uh, Father, thank you for the freedoms that we have here in America. Um, these are crazy times, we know, but Lord, we, we're still free. And Lord, help us to never abuse that freedom, but to always be grateful for it and to use it for your glory. And so, Lord, I just invite you into this time this morning. I invite you to, into anybody's living rooms that's watching and this room here, and that you just speak to us, and uh, that you just use my words, and most importantly, your scriptures to open our eyes, open our hearts, and change us, change us from the inside out. I pray this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. <clears throat> Excuse me. Well, we are in week six. We've six weeks in of our eight-week series on the Beatitudes, which Jesus taught in Matthew 5. Today, what we're going to do is we're going to look at this, this phrase and, and understand what does it mean to be pure in heart. Now, let me open like I typically do. I love a good story. Let me open with a story. One evening, a man uh, walked into a fast food chicken place and he bought a nine-piece bucket of chicken. There's nothing like fried chicken in July, am I wrong? He took his chicken to the park for a romantic picnic under the moonlight with his girlfriend. Aww. Upon reaching into the bucket, however, he received a surprise. Instead of chicken, he discovered what was apparently the restaurant's night deposit, $9,000 in the bucket. The young man brought the bucket back to the store and he asked for his chicken in exchange for the money. Now, the manager was in awe of the young man's honesty. He asked for the young man's name, and he told him, I, I, want, I want to call the newspaper, I want to call the local, local news station so they can do a story about you. He'd become a local hero, an example of honesty and morality that would inspire others. A hungry man just kind of shrugged it off. And he said, hey, look, my date's waiting. I, I just want my chicken. Well, the manager's renewed amazement over the young man's humility almost overwhelmed the guy. He begged to be allowed to tell the story uh, uh, on the news of this young man. At this, the honest man became angry with the manager and demanded his chicken. I said, I don't get it, the manager responded. You're an honest man in a dishonest world. This is the perfect opportunity to show the world that there are honest people still willing to do what's right. Please, give me your name and, and the woman's name out in the car. Is that your wife? That's the problem, said the young man. My wife is at home. The woman in the car is my girlfriend. Now let me have my chicken so I can get out of here. Ouch. Ouch. It's really easy to look good to people that we don't know. 
And many of us, we do good things here and there. We, we can go to church. We can say the right words. And everyone thinks that we're something that we're not. But God sees beyond that. God sees the heart. He says that in 1 Samuel. He said this, chapter 16, verse 7, The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Our culture is obsessed with appearance. We're the, we're the exact opposite of God. We care about appearance. We care about making an impression. We're all about image. But God could care less about how you look. He's not impressed with your achievements or accomplishments. He's not interested in how educated you are or how wealthy you are. God doesn't care about how popular or famous you are. What God does care about is the integrity of your spiritual health, and he cares about your heart. He cares about, you know what he cares about? The real you. And that's what brings us to Matthew 5, verse 8, the sixth beatitude. Here's what Jesus said when he was talking to this crowd on the mountaintop. He said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Love this one. Now, to give you more context, when people spoke of their heart in Jesus' time, it was all-encompassing. The heart was kind of the center of emotions and life. Everything centered on the heart. And we tend to, we kind of do the same thing today. We say things like, we hear phrases like, oh, that's too bad that they're broken-hearted. If there's something that I just, I wanted to do, but I just couldn't pull off, we might say, man, I just didn't have the heart to do it. Or if someone performs a brave or courageous feat, we will hear people say, man, they showed a lot of heart. We hear that today. When Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, he was speaking to the totality of a person. He was speaking of a person being totally healthy spiritually and emotionally. That's where Jesus was getting at. I love what, what David wrote, what he prayed, actually, in Psalm 51. This is what he said. He said, God, create a pure heart in me. Create a pure heart in me and make my spirit strong again. That prayer, that is the correct attitude behind this beatitude. <laughs> I rhymed. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Let's bring some more clarity to this beatitude this morning. First, let's just start with, well, what does it mean that they'll see God? Okay, like, I think that's a good question. Well, plainly put, I think it means that people who are pure in heart, they're the ones I think they just get up close and personal with God. I just think they have this connection with their Lord all the time. They get to experience the presence of God on a daily basis. They get to feel God power. I don't know how to explain it. I just, I feel, I, I sense that. They, they get to know the purpose of God for their life. I think they, they have peace and they sense God greater and God is clearer to them. Does that make sense? They get to see God. And when they walk with purity in heart, I think God becomes clear to them. I think that's what it means. I think God says about those people, he says, you know that person there that has pure in heart? That's my friend. That's what I think God says about them. How about this phrase, pure in heart? What does that mean? I mean, this is not a term that we use in today's language. It's, this is not common everyday language. And I, I wrestled all week with what is maybe a good substitute for that word. And the word that I came up with was integrity. 
The Bible uses the word integrity a lot. So, so what does it mean to have integrity? Well, I can tell you this. It doesn't mean that you're sinless. <laughs> no. It doesn't mean you're perfect. That's not the point. That's not what it means. So what is integrity? Now, this is going to be a little bit scary, but I'm going to give you a snapshot into my mind. I tried to come up with the best definition of integrity I could, and this is what I came up with. Are you ready? Again, you're having a little snapshot into my brain. I know it's scary, but track with me. This is, this is what I, how I would define integrity. It's objective, non-compartmentalized authenticity. Now, some of you are like, where in the world <laughs> did you get that? Well, track with me. Objective, non-compartmentalized authenticity. Well, to be objective, it means you're not influenced by personal feelings, interpretations, or prejudices. You're objective. It means you seek to do the right thing for the right reasons. It, it means you're sincere. You're, you know what? You're, you're straightforward. That's objective. Non-compartmentalized. That's a big word, I know. Non-compartmentalized means your life, it's not divided up into compartments. Your, your life is, is one large whole. Think of it this way. A lot of people think of their life as one big box full of a bunch of smaller boxes. The different things in their life are those smaller boxes. So here's what we do. We pull out this little box and we say, well, this box is my career box, and we set that over here. And, and this box is my church life, and we set that over here. And this box here, this is my family life, and we set that here. And this little box is my social life, and we set that over here. And this box, this is my secret life, and we just hide that back here. And we tend to compartmentalize our lives. But if we segment our life like this, I think we can lack integrity sometimes. Integrity is not the parts of the box it's the whole box. It means you're exactly the same with everybody you talk to, no matter which part of your life you're dealing with. You don't change. You don't pretend. You're, you know what it means? You're whole. You're whole. You're not compartmentalized. I also believe integrity means that you're authentic. It means you're authentic. It means you're real. It means you're not fake. You don't fake it till you make it. You're not trying to be somebody you're not. You're exactly who you appear to be. If you have integrity, you act the same no matter where you are. This, that means that I'm the same person with my kids and wife as I am when I'm hanging out with my college buddies. Exactly the same. But let's be honest, right? It, we're humans. We have a tendency to gravitate towards image. It's all about appearances. But God is interested in integrity purity of heart. God says, what does the Bible say? Blessed are those who have integrity, who are pure in heart. They get to be friends with God. I love that. I want to do two things with the rest of our time that we have. First, I want to show you two lifelong benefits of living with integrity, and then I want to share four ways that we can kind of develop that integrity muscle, because we have to work at it. We do. So let's just start with the benefits. I can tell you, I've known a handful of people in my lifetime who I would characterize as high integrity. In each of their lives, I've seen, this is me speaking, I've seen two unmistakable characteristics of these people. I would call them lifelong benefits in each of these people, that, and I believe they could be lifelong benefits for us if we commit 
to live with integrity. Let me show you. And, and the scriptures, the Bible backs this up. The first thing I see in these people that have high integrity is there's a confidence to them. They're confident. It, these people, they live with a different kind of confidence because they're not trying to be a phony all the time. They're, they're not trying to wear the right mask with the right person all the time. And I think because of this, th- there's a solid confidence to them. I don't know how else to explain it other than that. And I think when we live with integrity or we live with purity in heart, you become the kind of person that others want to be around. Why? Because you know who you are and you know where you're going. Even being like upfront about their faults, people with integrity, there's just something genuine to them. There just is. I bet you're all maybe even thinking of a person right now that fits that category. There's something about that confidence that's reassuring and admirable. And here's what it says in Proverbs 10. People with integrity have a firm footing, but those who follow crooked paths will slip and fall. You see, when I have integrity, you know what I'm doing? I'm standing on solid ground. I have this confidence. But when I don't have integrity, you know what it's like? It's like trying to walk uphill in Minnesota during an ice storm. You ever experience that? I know I'll walk down and I'll get the, the mail from our house and we have a sloped driveway and when there's an ice storm, it's almost comical that I will put one foot and get two steps up the driveway and I'll just slide backwards. And then I'll move my other foot forward and I'll slide back. It's just ridiculous. That's what it feels like when we don't have integrity. But integrity, it gives us a firm footing. That's what Proverbs tells us. You become more stable in life. You do. Look at more wisdom from Proverbs. Proverbs 11 says this, the integrity of the upright, it guides them. Let's face it, there are times in life where we feel a little lost and we need a guide. I don't know about you, but I'm feeling that way. Like, when is this COVID thing going to end? Everything just feels so uncertain, so shaky. And, you know, maybe you're feeling that right now. Maybe you're not sure what's next for your life. Maybe you're going through a transition right now. I have no idea. But the Bible reassures me that when you have purity of heart, when you have integrity, you see God clear. And that's the best place to be is when we have our eyes on God. When we see God, we know, exact, we know what to do next because God has what? He has a purpose and a plan for your life. Integrity helps us to see God's plan and purpose clearer. I don't know about you, but man, I know I could use a lot more confidence and peace. The second thing that I see in people that, that, that just, I think, have high integrity is, is confidence, but the other one is legacy. And I thought of this word legacy, and I thought of my, 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 my father-in-law, who's now in heaven, and he left an incredible legacy. But I want you to hear this, this, this verse in Proverbs. Proverbs 27 says, The godly walk with integrity. Blessed are their children who follow them. Now I want you to just think about this for a minute. Your greatest legacy is in your integrity. Because it's a legacy that will last from generation to generation. Everything else we we do does not have the same impact. Okay? The money that you earn will be divided up amongst your kids and it will eventually disappear. The work that you do will eventually be given to somebody else. All the trophies and awards that you've won and earned will be pitched. I know that's super encouraging, isn't it? But honestly, think about it. 
the character that you have is going to be translated into the lives of the people around you and then to the next generation and the next generation generation hey listen if you're a mom or a dad okay i get it there's no such thing as a perfect parent it's it's there's no such thing but can i just encourage you that when you've made good choices be encouraged because you know what those choices are going to be passed on to your kids so you know what good for you that's awesome i want you to be encouraged but even if you've messed up guess what you still have time your story's not done you can still have and model integrity in fact your greatest integrity might actually be what you do after you made a mistake because somebody is going to be watching you and they're going to make a mistake someday and you can show them now what to do so if you've if you've made a mistake it's okay start over with god that's how we develop legacy confidence and legacy i just see those as lifelong benefits of choosing to live out integrity so let's just get practical rubber meet the road how can we strengthen that muscle of of practicing integrity and nobody's perfect i get that but how, what are what are some ways that we can strengthen that muscle first I think we need to be authentic. And I know I'm kind of repeating myself, and I talked about that earlier, but I think this is so important that we are authentic. Thousands of years ago, when the Greek culture was at like, its peak, we, we know of philosophers and writers like Plato, Socrates, Aristotle, Homer, and they would write these plays and these acts, stories like the Iliad or the Odyssey, to name a few. Now, during their plays, they would have multiple roles played by one actor. A guy would come out, and he would hold up a mask, and he would put that mask on, and he would play a role. And then he'd go backstage, and he'd grab another mask, and he'd come back out, and he'd hold that mask, and he'd play a different role. And then he'd go backstage, and he'd maybe change outfits, and he'd grab a different mask, and he'd come out, and he'd play a completely different role. In Greek plays, one guy could have multiple and many masks. He was called in the Greek the hypocrites. The hypocrites, and this is where we get the word hypocrite from. And so what does it mean to be a hypocrite? It means, it means you don't pretend. It's what we talked about trying to define integrity. You're, you're authentic. You're genuine. You're not a hypocrites. You don't wear a mask and talk a certain way with one group and then go over here and wear another mask and act a certain way with that group. You don't act one way in church and another way at work and yet another way on the golf course. You're always the same. Look at what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4. This is so spot on. He says, we refuse to wear masks and play games. We don't maneuver and manipulate behind the scenes. We don't twist God's word to suit ourselves. Rather, we keep everything we do and say out in the open. You're authentic. What you see is what you get. You're not a fake. You're not trying to be an image. You, you want to strive for integrity. In a world that's obsessed with appearance and trying to impress everybody around them, we have to ask this question. Well, how do we do that? How do, we, how do we avoid falling into the temptation of wanting to be fake? And I can only think of one answer. 
I think the bottom line is we got to care more about God's approval than everybody else's approval. If that's the only way, I think that we'll ever become people of integrity. Because if we care about what God thinks, then we're going to do the right thing. But if we care more about what other people think, we will tend to do the wrong thing. Psalm 119 absolutely nails this on the head. It says this, How can I keep my way pure? How can I keep my integrity? How can I keep my heart pure? By living according to your word. So simple. I know I can speak personally, and I'll admit that when I don't spend time in God's word, when I go through a phase of of not being intentional about that, I can start to lose strength. I can start to lose some stamina around integrity. Because when I neglect that time in the Bible, you know what I lose? I, I lose? I lose some spiritual power. I do. I, I lose his strength to help me with the right stuff. Man, we have to stay in the word. It's so important. Second way that we can strengthen our integrity muscle. We can get better. Man, keep your word. Be a person that keeps your word. People of integrity keep their word. If they say they'll do it, they'll do it. If they say they'll be there, they will be there. If they say, you can count on me, guess what? You can count on them. People of integrity keep their word. Here's what it says in Proverbs 25. People who promise things that they never give are like clouds in wind that bring no rain. Now, it's kind of harsh, but this proverb saying that, that people who don't keep their word, they're full of hot air. They're, they're like vapor. There's no substance or benefit from them. And so I think we have to ask the hard question of ourselves, hey, have you given anyone your word that you have not kept and you need to keep for the sake of integrity? Have you made a promise to your kids that you haven't kept? I know firsthand broken promises are a huge source of bitterness for children. We see that. Have you given your spouse your word about something that you're going to change and you haven't done it yet? Have you given God your word about something? Maybe even a a spiritual promise and you haven't kept it. We have to ask those hard questions. I got to hold the mirror up. It says in Psalm 15, it says this, Those who lead blameless lives and do what is right keep their promises even when it hurts. That's a powerful verse. Now, listen, I totally get it, okay? Life happens. Circumstances change sometimes. But according to the Bible, if I've given my word, if you've given your word, you're called to keep it, even if it's not beneficial to you. You keep your word even when it hurts. When I took my position here at Edinburgh Church back in January of 2015, my wife and I knew, man, this is going to be so hard on our kids to move right in the middle of a school year. We were currently living in Egan on the south side of the metro, and so we told our kids about the job change, and then we gave them our word that they could finish their school year in Egan. So for five months in the winter... Yippee. I commuted to Brooklyn Park from Egan every day because I gave my word to my kids that they could finish their school year with their friends. 
It would have been so much easier, I'm just getting convenient, to just start looking for a new home and, and move up here right away. But I knew that that would have been really difficult for my kids. So I've never regretted that decision. Christina and I gave them our word, and we kept it. And, and I know that now <laughs> my kids appreciated that. You become a person of integrity by keeping your word. A third way that I think we can strengthen our integrity muscle. This is so easy, except it's not. Work hard. Just work hard. There's something about people that just work hard. Look at what it says in Colossians 3. Hey, obey your human masters, bosses. Okay, now I put the word bosses in there just just so you know. I'm not trying to like change the word of God. I put that in there, but I think this applies. Obey your human bosses in all things, not only when they're watching you because you want to gain their approval, but do it with a sincere heart because of your reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as though you were working for the Lord and not for people. If you're a Christ follower, here's, here's how I translate this. Your boss isn't really your boss. Your real boss is God. And whether anybody else sees what you are doing or not, God does. This is the test, though. This is the test of integrity. Will you stay true to your word? Will you act the same all the time in the eyes of God? I think that's the test. So we got to ask ourselves. i got to hold the mirror up. I'm with you. i got to hold the mirror up. Do you do your best at work? Or do you slack off when the boss isn't watching? Some people only work hard when the boss is around. The rest of the time, people can goof off, play around, stand around, gossip at the water cooler, check Facebook constantly on their computer or their cell phone or anything else rather than working. Let me show you one more verse about, uh, uh, on this. And uh, it's Proverbs 18. Now, you need to know one of, my, one of the things that I love to do is that when I find a verse that just kind of resonates with me, I'm like, whoa, I will look at every other translation of that verse because it gives me a, a kind of a broader, deeper understanding of what they're trying to say. Okay, so I want to show you this verse in Proverbs, and this is the message version. But look how it's translated. Slack habits and sloppy work are as bad as vandalism. Oh, that's kind of strong. This verse is saying, I am vandalizing somebody else's business if I'm not giving my best. If I don't give it my best, then you know what? I'm lacking in integrity. I think it's easy for us to not comprehend that, man, it really is a sin for us not to give a full day of work when we're paid a full day's wage. I don't have the right to putz around at my job. Even if everybody else is slacking off and not working hard, they're not a follower of Christ. You hopefully are. They might not care about integrity, but you know what? We should. Friends, working hard no matter what, that's a mark of integrity. It is. The final way, you know, a final way that I can see we can strengthen our integrity muscle. Be pure in heart. Man, refuse to gossip. Refuse to gossip. Translation, you know, you, you don't talk one way with one group of people and then go talk about them behind their back. If you flatter somebody, 
and act like you're their, their best friend, and then behind them you cut them down. That's gossip. You say one thing here and another thing there. The Bible says, man, when we're doing this, we're, we're lacking in integrity. I also argue that, you know what, if you listen to gossip, and you're like, ooh, tell me more, that's the same thing as offering it up. Here's what Proverbs 11 says. A gossip can't be trusted with a secret. But someone of integrity won't violate a confidence. You know what we need today? We need people of integrity who know how to keep a secret, who know how to keep something to themselves and not spread it, not put it on Facebook or post it on Twitter. And the moment you hear something hurtful or secretive, we should not immediately go and tell somebody else because the moment you do this, you lose trust. You start to lose trust. If that pattern continues, no one will ever trust you wholeheartedly again. People with integrity refuse to gossip. What you do is you, you cut it off. You cut it off. If someone tells you something's potentially damaged, you either let it die with you or you go to the source for clarity. You don't pass it on. That's integrity. Let's refuse to gossip. You know, friends, I'm going to be completely honest with you guys. The more I prepared for this message today, the more I just let it sink in, the more I just felt like a peon. Can I say that in church? The more I felt I am so unfit to present this message. And as I thought about it, you know, I, I pulled out Josh Kirsch. I pulled out my mental checklist. I did. And I looked at these four things. And I looked at the first one and I went, fail, check. And I looked at the second thing and I went, fail. And I looked at the third one and I went, wow, fail. And I looked at the fourth one and I, Fail. Guys, I hope you hear my heart today. I hope you hear the heart of Edinburgh Church. But mostly my heart, I don't always get it right. I am a flawed individual. I make a lot of mistakes. I am sinful. I'm not always unselfish. I'm not always kind to everybody. I don't always keep my word. I don't always do my best in everything that I do. Sometimes I even gossip. But then I'm reminded, this is why I need a Savior. This is why I need Jesus Christ. When we talk about today, it's why, this is why we need a Savior. This is why, man, you know what we need? We need the cross. This is why I need forgiveness. This is why I need grace. Do you know what the Bible says? That there's not a single person on the planet that is perfect. Never. There's never been a person other than Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us that all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. Friends, listen to me. The point of this message was not to say you need to be perfect. No. God does not expect you to be perfect. But he does expect us to work on integrity. And you know where that starts? That starts with just admitting, God, I can't measure up. Just start there. God, I, pff, I fall short of every single one of these things. I admit I lack integrity in some of these areas. But I need you to hear this, church. 
God doesn't care about your past sins anymore. Do you know what he cares about? What direction you're going. That's what he cares about. Are we going to pick ourselves up, let him pick us up, dust us off, and say, okay, what are you going to do? Are you going to go backwards? Are you going to head north? That's integrity. God cares about what direction you're heading. Friends, you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be sinless. But we do need to recognize that we're flawed and that we need a Savior. And to come to that Savior and say, Jesus, I need you, I need you, I need you. Let's get back on track and head north. Amen? Hey, I, I want to pray for us now. And I would just encourage you, just invite you to pray with me. You can just pray this in your head. So just bow your head and, and just, just pray this with me. Jesus, Heavenly Father, I thank you that you were sinless. You never sinned. You're the ultimate example of integrity. Why? So you could pay the price for all my sins. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. There is no way, God, that I could measure up to your standard of perfection. And that's why I need your grace. That's why I need your forgiveness. So God, today I ask for a fresh filling of your grace and your forgiveness today. Jesus Christ, thank you for loving me enough to pay for all my sins. Now, help me move forward. Help me point north with the help of your spirit to live out integrity all my days. In the strong name of Jesus, I ask these things. 